On today's episode, Josh and I are back here to talk about uh, the Ennis Cantor situation in the news. Uh, the Josh, I'm not going to spare here the the red hot, <laughs> the red hot Phoenix Suns. They're on a 16 game win streak. We're going to give them some uh, love and appreciation. We're uh, like we promised, sprinkle in some Duke Gonzaga. Uh, we're going to give our thoughts on uh, probably the biggest matchup of this year, or one of, and very short and sweet, just like last week. Trivia. All that next. Welcome back to the Two Pointers Podcast. I'm Josh. And I'm Trevor. Trevor, it's good to be back. How are you doing? How are the holidays? Thanksgiving. <laughs> Holidays were great, man. I did way too many things, ate too much, and somehow ended up with zero leftovers. So, um, uh, yeah, crazy how that happens. But uh, I'm very high off of NC State Wolfpack football win and a Patriots win. So, uh, just a, it was a great weekend all around. I mean, I'm here to talk mm. about hoops, my favorite day of the week. I'm excited. Let's do it. Um, yeah, it's Monday. You know what that means. Uh, so, like we said, we got a lot of big stories we're going to go over today. Uh, later in the episode, like Trevor mentioned, we will talk about the Phoenix Suns and the longest winning streak in basketball. We'll go over the big story in college hoops. And, of course, we'll have trivia as I try to extend my lead over Trevor. However, the big story that we're at today is about Ennis Cantor, the power forward for the Boston Celtics, or should I say Ennis Cantor Freedom. As we got the report over the weekend, Ennis Cantor has changed uh, his last name upon becoming U.S. citizen. I believe today, as of recording, Monday, um, he's officially become a naturalized citizen of the United States. So congratulations to NS Cantor Freedom. Um, frankly, so much has happened uh, regarding NS Cantor uh, and his activism is speaking out throughout the year. I think it's about time that Trevor and I kind of talked about what he's been talking about, what's going on. So to track back, for anyone who just may not have followed what's going on with Ennis Cantor, Frida, and I will probably say Ennis Cantor a lot, even though I realize it's not his name now, apparently. Um, interested to see if, I don't know if Boston plays tonight, but if it's just going to say Freedom on the back of his jersey now. But Tomorrow. They actually play uh, tomorrow his first game with the new name on the back of the jersey, according to CNN, uh, was tomorrow. Oh, nice. It'll be he'll be have played he'll have played a game by the time we post this on Wednesday, like normal on the first. Yeah. So um, for people who may not have followed, I'm kind of going to go back quite a bit um, and kind of tell the story um, of Ennis Cantor and where we're at right now. So Ennis Cantor is a uh, Turkish professional basketball player in the United States. And his cancer is currently considered a fugitive in the country of Turkey because he's repeatedly spoken out against the Turkish dictator Erdogan. Um, and in his cancer, one of the big reasons that it's such a big deal with him becoming a naturalized U.S. citizen is he can't go back to Turkey. Uh, he's been vocal about some human rights violations that uh, the Turkish dictator Erdogan has done. Um, and is kind of considered a fugitive in the country because of his constant speaking out. I remember when 
I think it was he's playing against I think the Raptors in the playoffs. And there was a period of time they didn't think he'd be able to travel with his team into Canada because of concerns about crossing out of the United States um, prior to that game. So it's been a very serious deal. Um, This season, uh, Ennis has been using kind of – the players have this new leverage to kind of put whatever they want on their shoes, a very free design opportunity with the shoes they wear for games. And for, I believe, every game this season, Ennis Canada has come out with a new design of shoe – um, to raise awareness of what's happening in China. There's a lot of issues uh, in a scanner, mostly going after uh, President Xi Jinping in China um, related to uh, the Uyghur re-education camps, um, independence of Taiwan, uh, the current Chinese occupation of Hong Kong, um, and then recently turned where the national news kind of began to pick up what was going on when he turned to call out LeBron James prior to a matchup against the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, and now we've seen the name change to NS Kander Freedom. So I think we're going to kind of go through a little bit of what's happening, why I think it's important, and then also what our thoughts are on how Ennis is going about some of these things, because I think some of the more recent um, – moves to draw awareness, uh, have some questions to be asked. But what's your thoughts? What have your thoughts been about this as you've seen it, Trevor, over time as the story's developed? Um, first and foremost, nonetheless, I do want to at least, as a proud American myself, I do want to just say congrats to him for uh, obviously beginning that citizenship process. And actually, um, literally live as we're recording this, he just tweeted uh, about eight minutes ago uh, that he is officially – Changed. He says, I am proud to be an American, greatest nation in the world, the land of the free and home of the brave. So shout out to Ennis Cantor for that. Um, yes, I apologize for any slip up ahead of time for saying Ennis Cantor instead of Ennis Cantor freedom or Ennis freedom, I guess is technically how we're going to address him. Um, I will be honest with you and the listeners, like I really had to recap a little bit and kind of go back and read really obviously a lot of things started coming back up to kind of recap the timeline. That's what we're going to do here and kind of go through what the um, – just points of emphasis were for him, but he, look, I'm never going to fault anybody for speaking up for something they believe in. Um, but his has a lot of, lot of things to it. It's just, there's just no way around that. There's a lot that I think a lot of people don't realize and understand, which I hope maybe we can shed a little bit of light on for our listeners. So very confusing situation for uh, Mr. Cantor, because at the end of the day, He's a Swiss-born but Turkish-raised citizen who's speaking out against things in, in his home country and in China, and now who's a proud American citizen. It's a very confusing triangle here, um, but look, I, I, I think it's a very interesting conversation around why he changed it. Uh, before we go any deeper, I don't know if people know this, but uh, it's actually a running nickname or a running joke of a nickname at first uh, amongst his teammates in the Celtics locker room. Uh, those like Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart were calling him uh, freedom just as a joke. Obviously, Jalen Brown, a very outspoken uh, African-American in the United States, um, a lot of what he believes in. So I do like that there's a tie there with the teammates of someone like him who does similar uh, outreach. But uh, it's really cool to just see the name. I mean, it's going to be on the back of the jersey. I'm excited to see the jersey sales between Monday and Friday because it's probably he's probably going to crack at least the top 20, top 40. I don't know. Maybe. Um 
just for the word freedom on the back, but in just all around, uh, very confusing, very interesting situation that I'm glad we're at least unpacking a little bit. We've kind of sat back and waited a little bit. Uh, we've kind of touched around on the subject. So um, it's our first real time to kind of talk about it in detail. So I wanted to, I kind of, in preparation for this episode, I went back through Ennis Canner's Twitter over the past several months um, to kind of look at the different things that he is speaking out about, what the message is that he's trying to deliver to kind of get at all the different um, things he's spoken of. And then I also went and kind of did some research into um, what major news companies have reported on the situations um, and what kind of some research has been done as to what's happening in China so that we can get at what the facts is of what are happening. The biggest thing that I think everyone's had a big focus on is what's going on with the Chinese Uyghur camps in China. These are China or China's government has acknowledged they are using camps they call re-education camps to move Uyghur Muslims into they're forcibly detaining and imprisoning Uyghur Muslims in these camps to re-educate them into a sense as China essentially does not want a religion in their country that is not Chinese in origin, not entirely sure what that means, or Chinese in focus, something along that line. These are statements from the Chinese government. Don't really know what the focus on that is. Um, the US government has spoken out that they believe that there's likely imprisonment and forced slave labor going on in these camps. Um, it's been condemned by the United States government uh, it's one of the things that Ennis Kinder is focused on is the belief that some of the slave labor is being used by Nike to make shoes, make clothing products, make apparel. They're using slave labor from the Uyghur camps. Um, I looked and found that the U.S. Holocaust Museum has reported that based on their research, they think that some form of genocide could be going on in these camps related to Uyghur Muslims. So it is a huge deal. It's a awful tragedy what is happening. And I think it's important that Ennis Kanter is speaking out. But to get into the reason why we're not hearing about this from a lot of people, and especially not people inside the NBA, is a couple of years ago, Daryl Morey, at the time general manager of the Houston Rockets, currently uh, president of basketball operations for Philadelphia 76ers, spoke out against the Chinese government um, about their attempts to take control of Hong Kong, which since then they have taken retaken control of Hong Kong. Um, and Hong Kong is currently not an independent state. It's under the control of China. And Daryl Morey was kind of lambasted by China, by the NBA, um, NBA players that were in China. Uh, there was fear they'd be put in danger at the time that Daryl Morey's comments were made. Um, and it kind of, I don't know if I'm just like, remembering some time, but it felt like to me, it kind of spurred on an exit for Maury from Houston, um, where he ended up going to Philadelphia. Uh, he was met with opposition by a large amount of NBA players. So that's where Ennis Cantor's statements now, which are far and away more accusatory. They're more, uh, in way to drive awareness than what Maury said are a big deal from the NBA standpoint. Uh, Boston Celtics games are no longer being broadcast in China. They've been banned in China because of Ennis Cantor. Um, and so this is kind of the situation we sit in. 
leading up all of this before Ennis makes the comments about LeBron James. So that's kind of where we lead up to this point. Uh, the point when Ennis starts to rocket in the national spotlight, spotlight and he starts to be met with the most backlash, he put LeBron James on his shoes, showing, just to describe the shoes, him bowing down to President Jinping in China and accusing LeBron James of not speaking out when he should. Uh, he makes a reference to asking whether or not LeBron James had educated himself, which was Le LeBron said about Daryl Morey at the time of the Daryl Morey uh, situation. And it was met with, this is where kind of it became this national news story. There was this combativeness between uh, Cantor and James, not in person. They avoided each other um, upon the Boston LA game, but it caught a lot of eyeballs. Uh, from Ennis's purposes, I can see how he drew a lot more focus to what he's trying to do. He caught everyone's attention, but I kind of have to question how much is it good attention because for somewhat people are now looking away from the message that he's saying to look at this potential feud with LeBron James. Uh, Trevor, I know you were following it when Ennis kind of released the design of those shoes before the game. What were your thoughts? Yeah, I... I can understand why, and I can understand how, but I don't like the premise. I don't like the premise of you're going after a, I'm just going to, for the example, I'm going to say a large group of people because a large group of people follow LeBron and a large people, a group of people like LeBron, whether he does something good or bad, right? Whatever you call his fans or followers. But to me, you're trying to get a message across like example, Kander has been quoted to say, my message for the Chinese government is to free Tibet who obviously Tibet has uh, not been under the hands of the Tibet citizens for quite some time. But I just, there's a way to stay. There's a, there's a difference between, to me, between good press and bad press. And to me, I think he intended it to be good press and did not realize the kind of backlash of that decision all while obviously avoiding him in person. Obviously, you don't want to make it even worse by trying to spur, you know, spur in person right there on the floor or in the locker room or in the tunnel, whatever it may be. Um, I do think it's very, very interesting how close between the LeBron incident and then the, the citizenship happened. Because I think what I took away from the citizenship announcement was that it almost seems like he's trying to make up for that bad press. It's why I brought up the bad press. It seems like a very good time to whatever, whoever he might not have had on his side or not, people don't realize what's going on, right? And what he's trying to bring awareness to. I think maybe this is an attempt to be like, hey, I'm trying to actively be a US citizen and be more respected here and be understood and, and still be able to share what I feel about where his own country as well as China. So I think it's very interesting timing. I don't think it necessarily is verbatim why he did it, but you know, the shoe thing, I'm not a fan of, but the US citizen thing, I mean, more eyes, I think, saw that story than any other uh, with the shoe. I think they were just too too close together for comfort there. See, the thing is, from what I can tell, I don't think he cares whether press is good or bad. I don't think he quite cares what people think of him. Oh, no, probably not, to be, to be honest. And yeah, I don't think he does. I don't think that people were like, oh, he didn't go after LeBron when they met each other in L.A. Well, his quarrel or his problem isn't with LeBron James. The way I kind of looked at it, he's going after Nike, right? 
because he's going after the fact that Nike is using this force light loader. Um, the figurehead, um, or he's going after how Nike is supposedly using this force light loader. There's no um, proof that that's actually occurred. So um, none of that has been, there's been no connection. Nike continues to say that that does not occur. Um, so he goes after James because James is this figurehead, right? Um, he's the face of Nike, frankly. Uh, since after the retirement of Michael Jordan in the draft of LeBron James in 2003, he's the face of Nike. Um, and so that's just who he goes after because he's the face of Nike. Um, and it's the way to go about it. Uh, maybe not the best strategy to drag someone down who may be a supporter, um, potentially on your side if you had a conversation with him. But uh, he just kind of goes after who the figurehead was to draw attention. Ultimately, we understand, you and I obviously who are now following this and trying to understand it and try to bring it to light, is we understand what he's trying to do. I think it's it's just a tough understanding of, of the method of it. Um, I, this is a quote that I took away. I mean, you mentioned the Twitter thing. I also did the same thing, looked a little bit back, just tried to understand it. I didn't go as far back as the moral Maury stuff and really try to like, I know it's obviously correlated, but to quote him on the Hill the other day, uh, he said, we need to call out these companies. Now, only list from this point on, Nike. That's the one, and I still think it's tied to the story of the, the, the shoe, right? But the biggest sponsor of the NBA in America, they stand for Black Lives Matter, Latino, you know, Asian hate, uh, LGBTQ community. But then when it comes to China, they remain silent, end quote. So, again, it's... it's The, the shoe was the car for the operation and it's how he was driving it is the problem, I think, is what I really am starting to take away from it the more I even just chat through this with you. But I, I just, I get it. I really do. And I, I, I'm proud that NBA players have, especially after what happened in the bubble last year. I'll leave it at that. But it, I'm, just, I'm happy that NBA, NBA players have this freedom and have this even extra elevated ability. I just think there's a right way and a wrong way to do it, whether he cares or not. Clearly, it doesn't. Who cares, right? I mean, he's not. What's he going to do? He, he's now a United States citizen with a, with an awesome last name, and he's carrying. He's trying to carry that word. According to him, he's trying to carry that word because it's something that he's always believed in. And really, mm -hmm. at the end of the day, the China stuff deep down, like it, it's there. He's calling their their president or even whatever the China uh, leaders are considered. He's calling them openly like dictators and and you know, overruly. Uh, leaders but yeah at the end of the day I'm, I'm, gl I'm glad he has the power to do so i just hope that it's for the right reasons ultimately yeah as it's where i got into uh and you mentioned it earlier but um i think it's a cool it's another chance to draw attention to what he's trying to say uh kind of carrying the name freedom people are paying attention because they see it and a lot of the reactions from people are going to say, oh, it seems kind of wacky. He's changing his name. Or it's like when Ron Artest did it. But it's getting everyone's attention. And then they're going to pay attention to why. The thing that you mentioned earlier is going to see how much of those freedom jerseys going to sell. And that's why I question, oh, this may not, this may have some side effects that he's not wanting. Because they're all going to be in a bit of irony. Nike is going to 
create and pump out these jerseys that say freedom on the back made by Nike um, and then sell those over the next week. I feel like he, he probably has thought of this and I'm interested to see what he's going to do um, related to that uh, Jersey sales. Uh, but I just think it's an interesting point because uh, one of the basic thing, one of the very things he's calling out is now with this name change is going to accelerate profits in that area. So it's kind of interesting. Yeah. I, I find myself in this confusing conundrum where we're to the point and I'm saying this with every bit of understanding that this is just how wild this story is, but we're to the point now where five days ago, I never would have ever in a million years guessed that Clay Travis and Ennis Cantor were, were able to agree on an American <laughs> political conversation. And that's where we are. Mm-hmm. Um, quote, Ennis Cantor is way braver to call out China than any other pro athlete has ever been to take a stand on almost anything in the 21st century. Yet most sports media and their employers aren't covering it. Why? Because they're in China's pocket too and proceeds to share a uh, video of Ennis talking, Ennis talking on CNN. So that was kind of the eye-opening moment for me was where we are to the point where this is how big of the story has become where anybody of any type or background or understanding or belief or political affiliation is starting to take notice of this. Mm-hmm. And it, it just keeps drawing back to the method of how he did it. And I, I am agreeing with you on this. I, I am very interested to see how he controls or how he, sorry, how he handles or what he does about the Jersey sales or any comments or maybe any backlash behind that. But, uh, yeah, it's, it is way too ironic, and I feel like this isn't any controversial, but this is probably not the end of this story by any means. I think this is oh, no, it's going not. to get bigger, and I don't know if I want to say worse, but bigger, worse, better, whatever the ultimatum is, I I don't think this is far from the end. I hope it isn't. I think there's – I don't think that people, despite like – so I mentioned earlier – um, the United States has condemned China for usage of these Uyghur re-education camps. The U.S. Holocaust Museum, like the Smithsonian U.S. Holocaust Museum, has said they think there might be genocide occurring in China related to these camps. Yet no one seems to really know about it or be talking about it at all as an issue. And hopefully, Ennis Cantor's or Ennis Freedom is using this platform and people are going to actually take notice. And that's my hope. And I support Ennis Freedom and the stance he's taking uh, as loud and unabashed and as disliked that may be from some ends. Yeah. That's all I have to say. Make a prediction right now. By Saturday's end, does he end up in the top 10 in jersey sales? Number one. Really? One. Wow. Yeah. I, I was just going to safely answer with five. And if he's one, I'm not shocked. I think it's one. I think, yeah, yeah, I think it's one. Well, so we're going to take things a bit of a different route. We're going to go back to talking on the court basketball. Starting with the team that, once again, two weeks in a row, I'm going to apologize to the Phoenix Suns. <laughs> um, Thank you. I called the Phoenix Suns the team that had the post-final slump. The Phoenix Suns are on fire right now. 
pun absolutely intended. There it is. They are on <laughs> fire. And they have there won 16 games in a row. They started one and three and have not lost since that point. They won the next 16. And despite winning 16 in a row, they're only second place in the West because Golden State's 18 and two. Funny you say that. Uh, tomorrow night, they play each other at 10 p.m. on TNT, the 18 and two Warriors and the 17 and three Phoenix Suns. I do. That it's is where awesome. Phoenix is trying to go for their franchise record 17th win in a row. And they're going to have to do it by playing the team with the best record in the NBA. But Trevor, you never doubted the Phoenix Suns. So why don't you leave me in? How is this? How are they this good? So I actually screenshotted something like two weeks ago that I wanted to bring up. I just didn't think we'd get to 16 games for this is finally how we gave the Suns some talk. But uh, that's no disrespect to the Suns, by the way. I mean, slightly under it. But we had a lot to cover in the last two weeks, and the Suns just happened to keep winning every game. And we were like, like 16. When it got to 12, I was like, Okay, all right. Because Javel, like Javel McGee, shout out to Javel McGee, one of my favorite Instagram followers. He is just posting all these cool things with the like, he was posting these cool graphics with like the number twelve and stuff. And yeah, so it got to twelve and it started getting interesting. But we're getting league leading and assists up until the point where they were on the twelve game win streak. We're getting league leading and assists and league leading and steals. Chris Paul. Yeah, we're getting a we're getting a prime Chris Paul season. Right. We're getting an efficiency dip from Devin Booker, yet they're still on a 16 game win streak. Right. Devin Booker is shooting about anywhere between four and eight percent under his averages and, and every level of the ball. But he's but there's still 16 games through here and uh, and haven't lost. So. Up front, I think it's just I think it's this Chris Paul effect that continues to keep going, even the fact he's 37 he's just a winning player and he's helping them win these games officially. Now, granted they're, they're just beating people. Like it's no like, Oh, like, Oh, I've had a couple close calls. Oh, there's a nail biter on Tuesday. It's like, they're pretty dominating, pretty much dominating these games. And it's a testament to how I think they slightly improved, even though they lost like Tory Craig and re-signed a lot of guys and got a few pieces here and there. I'm probably forgetting, but like, I liked what they did. And ultimately, unless Chris Paul, Chris Paul has this massive just fallout in the playoffs, which we saw he was able to not do, hopefully, finally, knock on wood, where he got COVID in the Western Conference Finals. But who says that they can't keep doing this right now? Yeah, the injury luck aside, injury breaks aside last year, this team's good. And I I think they're what we thought the Nuggets were going to be. I think you and I both agree the Nuggets pre any of this Michael Porter Jr. and Jokic missing time. The Suns team is doing what we thought the Nuggets might be able to do this year and be a very, very strong West Titan. Well, I didn't think the Nuggets would be able to reach their height until Murray got back. And like you mentioned, they, they're dealing with the injury bug spreading all around the team. So uh, different conversation for a different day. Phoenix is, I think, what's impressed me the most because it wasn't their strongest point last year, at least not in the Buck series. They're doing it through defense. In this 16-game run – which accounts for most of the season so far. Because we're, like, we're looking at stats, we're like, well, over this 16-game run, it was after their fourth game. It started with their fifth game of the season. That's like week two or week three. Like, this is most of the season. They're, second, they're the second-best defense in the NBA. Th- I think that's pretty massive for Phoenix. I could be wrong. I'm not looking back at the stats last year, but I don't feel like they were the second-best defense in the NBA. Um, and if they're doing things through the defensive end, 
um, and putting a stop to teams in what is still a very difficult Western Conference, uh, they're scary. I mean, they look about as good as any team can, and really this historic run by Golden State that has kind of overshadowed it a little bit. All right. I promise I'm almost done talking about Chris Paul. Um, I will say that he – we haven't mentioned this since it happened. It happened almost a month ago now, but uh, when they played the Lakers last, uh, he became the first player in NBA history to have 20,000 points and 10,000 assists in a career. And to think that, you're like, really? Like, look at the look at the list of guys that might not have hit. You know, Johnson was a short career, Magic uh, Johnson. Uh, John Stockton, long career but not a scorer. Yeah, you know, the guys around him really weren't going to do that. You know, he's got a combination of longevity as well as just the style of how they're doing this. Like when I mentioned they're like beating teams convincingly, they beat the Nuggets. Uh, this was yesterday, it looks like, or the day before. Um, he dished out 10 assists in 24 minutes. Literally just a half he played. Mm. He had his 10 assist number, and they beat Denver 126 to 97. Now, yes, that's without Nikola Jokic. I understand that. But the or in Denver, in Denver, where regardless if you have a starting lineup or not, clearly, uh, it's still a hard place to play. And they win pretty convincingly. Now, yes, that's a little bit of injury luck. I know what people are gonna say, but yeah, I, I agree with you. Defensively, that's really kind of been their weird we not weird difference maker, but they're kind of like the Warriors right now, where they're doing things on both sides of the floor at a really, really efficient level where they're the third highest points per game. Uh, team behind the Hornets. Well, actually, your Hornets took over the Warriors uh, today uh, with a point two higher. <laughs> but they are top f- uh, five in assists per game at fourth. They're, so they're not just doing it defensively. They're also doing it offensively, right? Like, it's it's something that we're seeing that was kind of their Achilles heel last year where they needed big stops. When And I believed in them defensively, to be clear. Like, I think that was what was going to get them. The finals win was going to be how they're going to shut down Chris Middleton last year. But unfortunately weren't able to do anything about the best player on the floor in that series. Um, that was also why they lost. And I just, they don't need a Giannis, right. And they're just dominating like the way they are with still being a great defensive team. Just something, there's something clicking that normally clicks for a good playoff team about late December, early January, pre all-star break. When a lot of those like really good teams in the last like 15 years, really start clicking right for the all-star break to get some good rest and then keep firing after that. It's happening early for the Phoenix Suns. I just hope that's not going to be a bad thing. Yeah, this feels to me, it's one of those teams that instead of like, instead of letting last year be kind of that miracle run, instead of uh, resting on their laurels after saying, oh, we almost got there, uh, they're, they hit the, they obviously went back to the drawing board. They got better. They came back, and they've got a fire and a determination. Like, they were burned by the fact that they were that close, and they didn't win. And they look like a team that's terrifying. I mean, they're, they'd be terrifying to play down the stretch. Uh, they're very much should be that threat to win the title again. I don't think anyone would scoff at the idea of Phoenix winning the Western Conference again this year. Um, they still have a lot of competition. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I still think Golden State – and Utah, which I'm not going to mention much now, but I will say throw Utah in the mix again, will be hard competitors out west. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see with Phoenix. Um, honestly, I mean, I'm rooting for them to continue the winning streak tomorrow night. 
I hope they do pick up that 17th win. I think it would be wild to see. Unfortunately, both teams play uh, west of Colorado. So if that game is going to be at 10 p.m. Eastern time. so But it's nationally televised. But it's nationally televised. That's all that matters, right? As well as uh, the other nationally televised game tonight, where this will be two days removed. But uh, we're getting again, Josh. Why are we not? Why did we not wait on this segment, the Battle of the Balls? Why did we not? We got to do it next week. We'll do Battle of the Balls next week if it's a good game. But um, a lot of great matchups between guards this week. I mean, it, it's one of those things where, like, the Phoenix Suns, you've got obviously your two great guards. But I think, you know what? I didn't plan on homework assignment, but homework assignment for the listeners. Go watch JaVale McGee highlights this year. That's not a joke. I'm not talking about Shaq in a Fool. I don't mean Shaq in a Fool highlights. Don't, don't you dare run to YouTube and start <laughs> typing in Shaq in a Fool. It's not what I mean. He is fourth in the NBA in field goal percentage. Joe yeah, McGee nah, playing gonna, 25 minutes a game. Like that is, that is, we're getting, beast. we're getting championship level backup center. Now, granted, he's a backup, right? DeAndre Aiden's the guy in the offense there and the defense there. But Javel McGee's been playing great. I have to give him credit, honestly. I think he's genuinely been a huge part of it. So ultimately, on the Suns, we don't want to, like, you know, let's not overzealous ourselves here, right? We did the red hot Miami Heat. Yes, the Miami Heat are still doing well, but, you know, we're running out of teams that have any correlation to the word heat, you know, red hot. And, and I think this is where we just hang it up on the Suns for a little bit. We go, you know what? They're good, but let's see this. Let's see this dominating winning against the Warriors. And I think tomorrow night, America might find out how good the Suns really have been if they haven't been paying attention. So any final thoughts on the Suns before we go into uh, – we sprinkle a little college in here at the end, believe it or not. Um, I just want to point out, I didn't say the red-hot Phoenix Suns. I said the Suns are on fire. So I, I mixed I it up with the Suns. <laughs> I did. I'm sick of red hot. We got to stop doing that. Or I got to stop doing That's that. You. Yeah, it's all you. <laughs> it's me. It's all right. Friday night, day after Thanksgiving, uh, shock wave spread to the college basketball world as Gonzaga fell. The team that, after beating UCLA soundly, uh, I was kind of starting to think may not lose in the regular season uh, as Gonzaga team. They lost. <laughs> to Duke in Las Vegas at the Continental Tire Classic. Uh, product placement. Um, <laughs> yeah, the Duke Blue Devils played an incredible game of team basketball and was really a poor shooting night for both sides um, and managed to slay the beast in Gonzaga. It probably wasn't the best showing for Paolo Bencaro. It wasn't a bad showing for Drew Timmy. wasn't bad for Chet Holmgren. Yet, the Duke Blue Devils managed to fell Gonzaga. This is a Duke team that I personally wasn't that high on. I uh, needed to see it to believe it with Boncaro. I understand where the hype is coming from about him being uh, top. I mean, like, the draft for next season right now looks like Holmgren and Boncaro. Like, those are the two. Right now, um, I get where it's coming from. I get the hype now. I understand he is that good. Wendell Moore, um, believe it, he's a junior at Duke now, is really putting in work. Um, definitely did with his 20 points against Gonzaga. And with that being said, today, Duke jumped from five in the AP poll to number one with the victory of Gonzaga. So we're back to the early 2000s when 
uh, or mid to late 2000s when you and I first started watching college basketball were Duke's number one in the country. Again. <laughs> Hello, darkness, my old friend. <laughs> For those that might not know, you can look at our website, but uh, our absolute root of basketball, no pun intended, is right here at Tobacco Road. And uh, yeah, I look, all jokes aside, my first takeaway from this on the basketball floor, I have some non-basketball floor takeaways, believe it or not, Josh, is we see this level of Paolo Banchero, but yet I'm not going to overreact, but I'm going to overreact a little. (laughs) The conditioning and cramping thing is kind of a red flag because this isn't the first time it's happened. He missed about 30% of every one of those, uh, the little tournament they did where they played our local uh, Campbell Camels and they played Army and they played one other team. Uh, He missed about 30% of that in terms of total minutes on Mm -hmm. on those games. Now, granted, they were playing Army and Campbell, and I don't even remember the fourth team, should I tell you that? But I don't – yes, you you mentioned preseason. He's this 6'10", this 240, 250 frame, this, like, power forward. But I told you, like, I I think he's better than just being able to play that bruiser role. And there's a reason I picked him for newcomer of the year, right? Like, this guy's really good. And right now, to me, he's the number one overall pick. But – if I'm an NBA scout right now, or if I'm a conditioning coach for the Duke Blue Devils, I'm a little nervous. Like this, something seems, I don't know if it's effort. I don't know if it's just, I don't know if it's just, you know, we're five, six games into the season. But when you know seven games into your season, you're going to have to play Gonzaga to be seven and oh, like you know that. That game gets announced seven months ago. <laughs> Paolo knows that, right? And to, for this conditioning, it, it slightly concerns me. I'm not going to overzealous it like that. I'm going to overreact but I'm not going to overreact. It's something that I am going to heavily monitor as they play, you know, a couple, they don't really play anybody uh, else between now and ACC play. So as ACC play begins here in about a few weeks or in a week or so, um, I think it's actually two weeks to almost the day, but I I am very, I'm slightly, I'm I'm a little concerned. That's all. At least basketball takeaway wise. I mean, I think he just needs to, they need to get the hydration regimen. Changed. I think that's where cramping comes. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, I don't really know what to say with it because Duke has kind of shocked me. Uh, Coach K's uh, retirement tour just got really interesting because now I don't know if any coach has retired on a national championship, but it's kind of where people are going to be looking at now for Duke. Now, easier said than done. You've got to win. Uh, six straight games in a single elimination tournament in a sport where there's just a ridiculous amount of parity. So the parity in college basketball is outrageous. Uh, I mean, speaking of Dayton beat Kansas this week, like Dayton beat Kansas. That's where it's parity. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I mean, I just think, feel like we needed to cover it because there's been a changing of the guard. Gonzaga is not going to be the juggernaut that stands uh, tall at the top of the mountain. They're not going to be the king of the hill the whole season. Uh, Duke has taken that spot. Um, and Gonzaga, I think, is going to head out now to the West Coast Conference and <laughs> head into their conference season, and we'll see them again come tourney time. Yeah, we'll pick it back up in March on the Gonzaga. We'll put the bookmark in, and we'll remember <laughs> to pick it back up uh, when they play a 16 seed. Um, one more basketball thing before I tell you the two basketball, the non-basketball takeaways that I hated. 
Um, the free throw shooting uh, woes for Duke uh, are also very concerning. I, I silly me for coming in here and I, I did okay. You know what? I gave Benjero some some good love and praise. They also got a lot out of uh, Mark Williams and they got a lot uh, out of Wendell Moore Jr. But they they got more out of the guys that they needed to get out of to be a team like Gonzaga. I was impressed with the lineup. I really was. Obviously, they're not a great deep team, but at least right now they're not. But the free throw shooting was concerned me. The only reason they won this game is because Gonzaga also shot 63%. Well, Duke shot 60% from the foul line. Gonzaga shot 63%. I hope that doesn't come back to bite them, obviously, in a very important ACC play and in Sibley tournament play one day. Um, but to get 20 from your uh, second and third best – to get 20 and 17 from your second and third best scorer on a night where Benchero struggles with efficiency, struggles with a little bit of help there, and still gets the leading scoring role. I mean, it seems just clicking at the right times and doing the right things. So the two non-basketball things that make me angry about this game, and you're probably like, what is he talking about? This game was at 1030 on Black yeah. Friday. Like, really? Which, like, in context, I was already is still an 830 tip off in Vegas. So they tipped off late there. Duke is like the famous 9 p.m. tip-off team. Like every time they play Carolina, it's 9 o'clock. And I'm okay with that because I live in North Carolina. But I think it's at it, 6 both times this year. Well, good. Thank you. Finally. <laughs> Jeez Louise. But my point being, 10 thir- Josh, I'll be honest with you and the, you and the listeners. I didn't watch this game live at all. Not live. No. I watched about four minutes of the first half and hit record. Shout out to YouTube TV. I watched it with a full-blown highlight. YouTube TV is amazing because you can watch your DVR back with highlights, and it shows you some of the – it, like, skips basically to when the game is supposed to be good. Like, it is super cool. Shout out to YouTube TV. No free ads. Um, and then the second thing was I was perusing StubHub the other day. This has nothing to do with this game, and I'll tell you why. I was perusing StubHub, and obviously – It's about what those uh, Duke tickets cost. That's exactly what it was about. So we were, we, myself and my uh, friends were looking at, our coworkers were looking at tickets. For, I mean, you, for the listeners might not know, there are Carolina Duke tickets for Duke's final game and, and Cameron Indoor that are $500,000. $500,000. Yep. I don't, the same section, by the way, there's a seat for 42000 for what it's worth. But someone is like, let's just throw it out there. Some celebrity last minute is going to buy it. Well, it's to put it in context for why I don't think this is outrageous. Oh, it is. This is a ticket for the last game, the last um, home game for the greatest coach of all time. Sure. And the greatest rivalry of all time. in any sport. I'll say it. I'll throw it out there. It doesn't matter what sport, what level. I believe it. I, of I all agree. Time. So that's why. <laughs> well, thank you for drumming it up. Can I tell you how much a, a okay seat at this game costs in Vegas? At least five hundred, right? Twenty eight dollars. Oh, for the Vegas game. For the Vegas game, twenty eight dollars. Yeah. Uh, you're telling me if I was just happened to be in Vegas, this game wasn't sold out, by the way. Yeah. You're telling me if I just happened to be in Vegas in November that I could have gone to this game for twenty eight dollars. Apparently. I can't go to a preseason game in Durham and afford it. I live here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to go ahead and out there and assume that this arena in Vegas is bigger than Cameron Indoor. I know that's a big assumption. Uh, right. That out there. I know that every think, basketball arena that exists is bigger than Cameron Indoor. But 
I think every high school within 10 miles of where I'm sitting at this moment have bigger gyms than Cameron Indoor. It, the point is, I'm angry that this game is affordable. Do you like? Can you imagine what this game costs in Durham? Like genuinely, this game in Durham, it's, it's uh, you're be not t- getting a ticket for below three digits. That's, it's right. That's a, that's modest. It's just I, I'm angry. That's my soapbox. I'm done with it. It had nothing to do with basketball. <laughs> that's why I'm glad we talked about this because those are my two takeaways from this game. Despite I went over you know the free throw was there, but man, what I just interesting to say the least. So. Uh, Josh, any other thoughts on any other college basketball thoughts while we're here? We obviously are making it a point to sprinkle in college basketball. The AP top five and top 25, sorry, didn't really change much. Purdue, you were right about that. I'll give you credit. Purdue's two now instead of seven. So Ohio State's completely um, out of the top 25. It's just a lot of a lot of major changes here. ACC Big Ten Challenge this week. Who are you taking? I'm taking the Wolfpack, and I will be in-house, and I will document my experience for our Which conference medias. are you taking? <laughs> oh, 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 um. How many games are there again? Just is it every single team? I, can't I think remember. it's every team, so like fifteen games. All right, so I guess we'll make first a to eight wins. Oh, is that what it is? Huh? Or better, I oh. guess like to to win the series. I guess you. Yeah. Say. I'm gonna say the ACC wins. I'm gonna say the ACC wins ten five. Oh, um, ten five. I'll write it down. I even. think the we'll ACC could lose ten five. Oh jeez. Um, <laughs> Big Ten is strong this year. It is. I haven't looked at the matchups. This is just me going off how I think the teams. I've only looked at a couple. I'd feel good about Duke winning, but I don't know how I feel about everybody else winning. Is Duke playing? Do you remember? I don't know. Uh, They're number one, so does it matter? You're like that's who it is. Got it. (laughs) I'll look up and see who Duke's playing. Uh, Ohio State. Ooh, that's a good one. In Ohio, in Columbus. Coming off of a rough couple of days here for. So that's a big game, but um, Ohio State team who's lost to Xavier and then Florida in recent days. So, yeah, I think it's going to be an interesting – I mean, the ACC Big Ten Challenge is always a really fun point in the non-conference season to me. I've been a long-time ACC fan. I I mean, I'm excited for Carolina-Michigan on Wednesday. Uh, I know that both teams kind of, like, aren't quite where they were at the start of the season, but – like, I'm really excited for it. I think it's going to be a big-time game, primetime ESPN. Uh, Dick Vitale calling Carolina-Michigan, and we're so happy to see Dick Vitale back there calling. Shout-out um, to Dickie V. Yeah, yeah I, 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 fun. I do think I the Big Ten will win the challenge as a whole. Uh, with what? But who knows? I haven't gotten much other than the Purdue thing. I haven't really gotten anything right yet with this college basketball stuff, so we'll see. Um, what was your uh, prediction out of 15? Oh, um, nine to six, Big Ten. I like that. Just slightly under me, but safer with the Big Ten. Um, all right. I got that recorded now. Not that it matters whatsoever. It's just fun because they, they see <laughs> we'll Big Ten see next week how, uh, how, how it figures. I'm it's rooting cool for anybody. ACC. I hope, I hope the ACC wins 15 nothing, but we'll see. Yeah, don't get your hopes up. Shall we with trivia? Yeah, let's do it. I'm watching the Ball Brothers warm up right now, so let's get moving. Battle of the Balls is about to take place. Yeah, people who are listening to this probably are like, what, really? Like, yeah, no, this is actually happening. Josh is legitimately watching a game live while we're doing trivia, and I hope there's no excuses. So, 
I'm going to make sure it trivia short and sweet because I have to. Because last week you gave me two possible answers, and you know what? I was going to give you hints. Now, yeah, you 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 have to get both these right. It's same format, exact same yep. format. Um, recap fair, the fair. score. Recap the score where we are through uh, about what six weeks now of the season. I lead three to two. Awesome. So uh, through this point in the season, because there was a couple of zeros, uh, we lead. Josh leads three to two. All right. Where we are with trivia is that we talked about a very hot team in the Phoenix Suns. On fire. This has nothing to do with the Phoenix Suns. You're like, what? This has everything to do with streaks in the NBA. Oh, boy. All you have to do, this is it. Two guesses, two answers. You have to tell me the team in NBA history that has the longest win streak and the longest losing streak. It's not the same team. Two different answers. That's it. Go. Oh, I don't like this. <laughs> How many guesses do I guess? <laughs> two. You gave me two on the coaches, so no. I gave you an additional one. Okay. Well, then if you, I'll do the same format. If I get, if you get one and not the other, we'll, we'll play it by ear. I'll give you a three. Fine. Sure. I'll give you three. Go ahead. I'll give you three. That's fair. I don't have to say the exact year, right? <laughs> I just have absolutely to say not. Oh, absolutely okay. not. I will say this. No, this is, people are going to think I'm lying. I got the year right on one of these. But when I looked up the win that I think I knew, I didn't get the year right. But when I looked up the loss, I said it to myself out loud before I Googled it. And I got the year right on the loss. I was very impressed with myself. I was like, this is a good question, I think. Because I was like, well, all right. Okay. So. Three guesses. That's for it. both sides, I think there are two options that I can think of. Because okay. I know what the two greatest records of all time winning-wise were for teams. Uh, greatest record was the 73-9 Golden State Warriors in 2015-2016. And prior to that, it was the Chicago Bulls that went 72-10. and 10. Then, on the losing side, I'm not making predictions. I'm just kind of – uh, the two worst teams in history were one, my Charlotte Bobcats back in 11, 11, 12, 10, 11. It was, it was somewhere in there. They went seven and 59. So I know they would have had to have some kind of long losing streak in that because you can only break up 59 with seven pieces so many different ways. <laughs> But then hey, it was also was, a lockout. It was a lockout season, so obviously, yeah. yes, it's very. But then there was Philadelphia, that. who lost more games. I think they went like ten and sixty-two or twelve and sixty, something along that. And the first one I'm going to guess is the winning streak, because I just feel like I remember it happening. I feel like I remember that Warriors team going on a winning streak that stretched into the twenties. Before watching it in, I think it they got the longest. So I'm gonna say Golden State has the longest winning streak in history. Despite the fact that this is not how we should have done this format, um, I am going to tell you because you told me whether I was right or wrong when I got Lloyd Pierce. Even though this one, there's this little answer. I feel like we should just make each other say all three and get it out um, of the way. <laughs> but it's okay. Unfortunately, the Golden State Warriors is not correct. Dang. Okay. Well, I'm going to say the Chicago Bulls, my next guest then. And if I'm wrong, then I just really didn't get this. 
No. So before you, before I answer the Bulls, um, you do have a memory of the Warriors. That is correct. It's not the regular season. It's the longest in the playoffs, that 15, because the Lakers lost the first uh, one, I believe, or according to this, the Warriors tied or had the tie with the, if you include regular season and postseason together where they won 15 or something, it combined for the highest win percentage, something to do along that line with their playoff playoff run in 2017. Mm. Um, but unfortunately we are both going to go over for our first, <laughs> for our first one, it is not one the Bulls. Point week. It is not the Bulls. Just um, for fun. Give me a third guess on the winning streak. Either. I want to guess the losing too. Um, but Okay, so if neither of those teams did it, the Bulls dominance never got it. Was it one of those Celtics teams? Just when they were ridiculous back in the day? You were so close. It's it's the other half of the Celtics dynasty. Or the other half of the Celtics rivalry, I'm sorry. It is the, the Los Angeles oh, Lakers. Showtime Lakers. Showtime Lakers. They... Mm. I will read the quote here. Los Angeles Lakers hold the record for the longest winning streak in NBA history. They won 33 straight games in the 71-72 season. Wow. A season best 69-13 and 13 record and went on to win the NBA Finals. That was Jerry West's singular and only ring. Wow. But that's okay. Uh, yeah, so shout out to my Lakers. That was before show. That was a little bit before Showtime Lakers, but yeah. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. No, it was before that, but sorry. It was the Lakers, yes. On the losing side, just give me, just give me an, uh, a lot, some something, you know, half court. I don't shot, think it's the Bobcats. I'm just going to say Sixers. I don't want it to be the Bobcats. It was the Sixers. It was the 76ers. Can I would have gotten that me, one right. So. <laughs> can you give me the year for pride's sake? Oh, the Sixers one. Gosh, um, it's back in the 70s, wasn't it? No, uh, it was actually in the last 10 years. <laughs> oh, so it's not the worst record Sixers. It was the trust the process Sixers <laughs> it was um, this stat gets weird are you ready for this yeah uh, the Philadelphia 76ers keep up here because this is very confusing the Philadelphia 76ers lost 28 straight games which spanned was that Jaleel Oka 14 like right oh, after yeah. they got the job I believe I don't was he 15 2014 he, he won the national title with Duke in 15 so he would have been drafted in 15 yeah um well this is the Lost 28 straight games spanning two seasons, the 2014-15 and 2015-16 season. So oh, it's stretched into, yeah. Stretched into the new year, correct. However, the 76ers doing this broke their own previous record of 26 consecutive losses set in the 2013-14 season. <laughs> Oh man! Sorry, Sixers fans. This is this was funny. This was why I did this question solely because of the streaks and because of how funny it was. It had to be done. For what it's worth, the 2013-14 Sixers are also tied with the 2010-11 Cavs for the longest single season losing streak because of the fact that mm-hmm. it went into the second season. So yeah, that's yeah. why I went wrong because I thought we were doing uh, single season streak, but you never said that. So that's on me. Total winning or losing streaks. Very yes. interesting that it was the highest of the highs on the Lakers end and the lowest of the lows with another all-time great franchise with the Sixers. Yep. It's crazy. Oh, the Sixers fans probably still have you nightmares. Know, trust the process. Yep. Still going great. Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. 
it's rocking. Trust that process. All right. Uh, somehow I made it this long without doing any kind of shameless social plug, but uh, don't forget to give us a follow on Twitter at two pointers facebook.com slash the two pointers podcast and TikTok is at the two pointers podcast as well as website. We haven't shouted out in a while. The website's still there. Contact page there for you guys to submit any topics, questions, comments, concerns, feedback, anything, or do it on Apple. Apple offers you a five-star option there. It's easy. You literally click the farthest star on the right, not the one on the left, because if you click the one on the left, it's a one star, which is why we now have 4.9. We just want to know why. That's all. I'm not bad. We don't care. We have a 4.9. I'm still really mad. Um, Nonetheless, uh, shout out to everyone's uh, happy Thanksgiving. Shout out to everyone's Thanksgiving. I don't know where I was going with that, but uh, a couple couple episodes here. Uh, We'll have some really fun topics between now and Christmas. We'll do some kind of Christmas special with previewing and recapping Christmas games because I don't care how many games the NFL puts on Christmas. Christmas Day is for the NBA. Let's leave it that way. I fully believe that. Josh, close us out. The NFL putting games on Christmas? Yeah, and Christmas Eve. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All fun. right. You learn something new every day. With that being said, this has been the Two Pointers Podcast. I'm Josh. And I'm Trevor. We will see you soon.